Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Chuck Stangor, publisher of the Gettysburg Connection. The Center for Public Service at Gettysburg College was founded 25 years ago to allow Gettysburg College students to participate in worthy projects around the world. Here in Adams County, students interact with the community on projects related to immigration, nutrition, and poverty eradication. In this episode, I talk with Gretchen Natter, Executive Director of the Center. If you like the Gettysburg Connection podcast, I hope you'll subscribe to it on your device. So let's get started. So hi, Gretchen, and welcome to the podcast. Thanks, thanks. Um, can you talk uh, briefly or, or in a broad way about how the college views its mission with the Adams County people? Sure, sure. So at the core of the college's mission, of course, is to educate our students. Um, and so that takes primacy over everything. But in our mission, it, it explicitly states that we do so with a focus in a way that engages the complex questions of our time to encourage their growth as ethically um, and kind of responsibly focused leaders and citizens. Um, and then we go further in our core values and kind of hold ourselves accountable to this idea of serving as a model for public service as we encourage our students to kind of engage in these lives of service. Um, so that's exciting to me. Um, and we can see that play out not only in the existence of the Center for Public Service, but the ways that the college tries to partner with the community in other ways. Um, you know, for example, when it buys new property, keeping that property on the tax roll. Um, you know, the investment in the Majestic in the past and, and continuing forward in partnering in um, the economic development of the of the community. And so those are some of the ways that it thinks about its its role as an institution, as a citizen of Adams County, and not just an institution here that sits on the back of it. Yeah, that's really great. You know, so many people think, oh, it would be so great to live in a small town with a college. And uh, we actually do. And it's really a wonderful thing. Yeah. And there's so many ways that we interact. The Gettysburg Majestic, obviously, being mm -hmm. a big one. Mm -hmm. um, can you tell me a little bit about how CPS works? Yeah, so the Center for Public Service really relies on the energy of our students, right? And so we have 23 student program coordinators that we employ that then help us engage with our partners here locally and abroad. Um, but then we work with partners around the community to find the work that they need to have done to advance their mission. And then we do our best to, um, to match that student interest with community energy. We find that we can be most effective working in four areas. Um, and these are based on needs that our local community has defined over time. And so that is food justice, immigration rights, poverty eradication, and educational equity and access for our youth in the county. And so those are the four things that we really spend a lot of time to engage them with. Um, now, I know that um, the Center for Public Service was founded about 20 years ago under the leadership of Carl Madsen. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how it's grown over that time. time. Yeah, yeah. So actually, the, the Center for Public Service was founded out of the Commission on the Future, which Gordon Holland, our former president, 
um, initiated to try to think about the strategic directions for the college at that time. And one of those was a, was a committee on servant leadership. And out of that, they said, okay, we've got these great things engaging our students with the community through the chapel, but we need to solidify that and make its own thing. And so Carl was given the choice, do you want to stay as chaplain? when she was the chaplain mm -hmm. at the time, or do you want to start the Center for Public Service? And blessedly, <laughs> he started the Center for Public Service. Um, so in fall 1991, he and a student held an open house in where our offices still are in Plank Gym, and they had over 200 people come through to kind of learn about this new thing in the span of like two hours. Since then, um, he Carl made the decision, he and the team at Dora Townsend, Chris Benneke, Dave Croner at the time, made the decision to not just invest the dollars in professional staff, but to invest in student energy, recognizing that that's what would bring the student body in. And so they hired a team of eight program coordinators, um, and that has served as the core of how we do what we do. We now, again, like I said earlier, have 23 student program coordinators, um, and that's really what brings our work together. Um, and then out of that, we, we organize our work around ongoing opportunities for students, again, based on community desire and need that helps kind of uplift the mission of local organizations. We provide training for our student leaders so that they, they can um, serve as peer mentors for their, their peer students coming into the work. Um, we host workshops and fellowships for our faculty members so that they can integrate community-based learning and research into their courses. Also introduce them to Adams County. A lot of them are moving here from outside the county. Mm -hmm. So taking a lot of time to, to do that work, to introduce them to the, the living questions of this place. Um, and then we also engage our students in other opportunities to give them an idea of how other communities address big questions. So through our immersion projects, traveling to 10 different places around the world and the nation, on our breaks, as well as engaging them in eight-week summer fellowships over the summer, looking at community development in different contexts around the world, here in Gettysburg, in Omaruru, Namibia, in Kathmandu, Nepal, and of course with our sister city in Leon, Nicaragua. So it sounds like uh, it's really a very central aspect of the entire college experience for, for students. Are, are most students involved somehow? It, yeah, a lot of our students are. So our two pieces of data on that are is around 78% of our graduating seniors consistently report some kind of service during their college experience. Um, and annually, we have at least 1,400 students involved in the work of the Center for Public Service in one way or another. Um, when we dive a little deeper in those statistics, um, those that are involved here locally are investing at least 10 hours a semester. And so really kind of getting at our focus on building relationships, not just kind of like this in and out one day kind of thing, but rather we focus on um, building experiences where students can build relationships with community members to kind of give a personal lens to systemic issues. Um, and so that they have a face with the statistic um, and so that they can be talking with people who are experiencing different kinds of life and so that they can 
they can kind of get that experience of building relationships rather than just kind of building top-down models. Mm -hmm. So uh, on these international programs, it's mm -hmm. kind of a student exchange type uh, situation, but the students are really getting involved in the local communities. Yes, yes. Yeah, th so that's what that's what our focus is. The immersion projects are great because it gets them excited and it immerses them in one in a different culture or different community, but then it helps them identify questions that they can bring back here to Gettysburg and then as they move on from Gettysburg in their home communities or the communities in which they settle and create a home um, so they can learn how to ask those questions, learn how to make those connections and help be part of organizing for change. Mm -hmm. So I can see that there's benefits for the communities that the students visit mm -hmm. uh, in the sense that they learn uh, from about people from Gettysburg. Mm -hmm. and, and the students have been trained, I guess, to uh, create connections. Uh, and then uh, what about the benefits for the, the students? Do they get credit or? Right. So um, it depends on the student and how they kind of engage with the Center for Public Service. Some of them certainly are coming into the work through a course. And so through that course, it's kind of like one of their assignments and it's integrated into their learning in the course. So in that sense, they might get credit. Um, for those that work in our office, the student program coordinators, they are compensated for nine hours of work per week. Um, the summer fellows who travel abroad, um, they can create an internship program out of that with a faculty sponsor and get credit that way. But then we also have uh, generous gifts from an alum and from friends who fund that experience for them. And if they're working here in Gettysburg, we are able to pay them a stipend for work, their work in the summer. Here locally. So there are uh, both, uh, in terms of in the Gettysburg community, there are interactions with the students during the, the school year, but mm -hmm. also in the summer. Also throughout the summer. Yeah, so when we were given this gift, it, it gave us the opportunity to respond to both the community desire, you know, because not many of our students used to be on campus during the summer, so we went from having 1,400 students involved to practically nothing. Right. Um, and our students were also coming to us and saying, you know, we would love to have an international experience in community development, or we would love to work here locally with a nonprofit, but we need to make some money, Gretchen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like the things cost, books are expensive. And so this gift allowed us to create an experience that one either funded internationally or deeply engaged our students on a full-time basis for the summer. Mm -hmm. Now, the gift you're talking about, mm -hmm. is this the one from Stephen Warner? No, no, it's, no, it's additional. Yeah, uh -huh. additional. Uh -huh. Yeah, so Stephen Warner, you bring him up. So he's, he's a part of our legacy at Gettysburg College overall in that he was a student in the 60s. And if there was an anti-Vietnam War movement on campus, he was certainly part of that. He was... Um, and ed on the editorial board for the Gettysburgian, our campus newspaper, um, and had a lot to say <laughs> about what was going on. He was also recognized as a deeply engaged student in the classroom. He was a history major um, and w was just a great critical thinker, was always kind of like pushing um, the boundaries of what there was to know and those kinds of things. So faculty found him very engaging in the classroom. Um, he went on to Yale Law School, 
Um, and during that time, he was drafted into the Army, um, and he became a reporter for the Stars and Stripes. Um, through that work, he became known for his ability to tell the story of the everyday soldier and the everyday um, Vietnamese villagers that they were interacting with, um, taking pictures, writing um, you know, writing reports about their experiences and how these, <laughs> how foreign policy, how war policy was impacting their daily lived mm -hmm. experience, right? That was really powerful. Mm -hmm. um, the, in the days before he was set to be done with his service, um, his helicopter was shot down on the Laotian border and he was killed. But he left his GI Bill money to the college to be used for intellectually controversial activities. Um, and while it didn't directly start the Center for Public Service, it certainly kind of added to the development of it by funding experiences, um, eventually like uh, Will Lane going to Leon, Nicaragua during the revolution, um, or at, during I'm sorry, after the revolution, but when U.S. foreign policy was especially strident against the Nicaraguan government, to understand, again, how U.S. foreign policy was impacting the daily lived experience. But again, this idea of intellectually controversial activities to take what we think we know and put ourselves in a place where we don't know, where we we learn that our perspective needs to change to truly understand, to go deeper. That's what really inspires our work to this mm -hmm. day. So it seems like it's a real combination uh, between education, learning, and service. Yes, Help, yes. Helping. Mm -hmm. I would say we focus more on the learning uh -huh. aspect uh -huh. um, because the last thing we want to do is to kind of have this top down, we're here to help, we have the solution, right. but rather to work alongside this idea of accompaniment, to walk alongside, to share bread with people, um, to kind of create shared goals and then create that change together. Uh -huh. Can you talk a bit about some of the projects that uh, were or are still going on in the Gettysburg community, the Adams County community? Yeah, I think one that we can kind of track the development of is over time our, um, our work with the community to develop programs that support and uplift Im people who are immigrants and migrants. Um, so Carl tells the story of he and Parker Coble hosting information for migrant workers in the fields in the chapel. They Parker, as the head of um, what was then the LIU number 12 migrant education program, he needed a place to gather people. So Carl's got, I've got this chapel, bring them here. Mm -hmm. um, and so the campus became a place where folks who are migrants felt comfortable. They felt safe. They knew they could get good information. Um, and so in the mid-90s, soon after the Center for Public Service started, Carl worked with Parker, with Jorge Perez Rico, and with others to de develop a grant to what was then the Learn and Serve America um, through the federal government to get a grant to kind of institutionalize some programs to engage our students with the work for change for immigrant rights. And so some of that was swimming programs, right? Because they saw that children, the, the leading cause of death for children who are migrants from immigrant families working in farms was, was drowning, 
in oh, yeah. farm ponds. Um, they started Puentes, which was a bilingual newspaper. So again, as a way to share information, to get ideas out there. Um, they, Jorge hosted a radio show on the, on the college, um, on the college radio station. And it was one of the most popular shows that you could hear it broadcast in the fields on Saturday mornings for, mm-hmm. for years. Um, and also got a lot of faculty involved in engaging that work, tutoring programs, ESL programs, other kinds of outreach into their courses. Um, that work continues today and it's evolved um, in that now we host the Painted Turtle Farm, which is a campus space. It started as a, a student experience in organic farming, but has since transitioned into a campus community hub for food justice. 28 families who are immigrant or migrant have plots on that farm. Um, we also have a central pot that plot that supports a community supported agriculture so folks can buy shares into it. We have a hoop house out there. Everything is certified naturally grown. The families can choose what's grown on their plots so they can pass down food traditions to their children. Um, and our students are there working alongside them. There are workshops about growing, about building business, about all kinds of different things on Monday nights. And there are community potlucks that attract well over 100 people when we hold them monthly. So again, this idea of gathering around food, <laughs> about empowering people to make food choices um, and to build in healthy lifestyles. The swimming clinics continue on Mondays, mostly focused for children, but there's also a series focused for mothers so that they can work with their children. Um, we uh, also um, support the work of Casa de la Cultura, which is um, migrant and immigrant owned. <laughs> you know, they, they really have developed this work and identifying what's important to them to provide to the community. Um, and so th- with them, we sponsor ESL classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays um, on campus. So those are all just kind of examples of how things evolve over time. But it took a lot of evolution, a lot of trust building. Um, and I like that it's not the same as when it started in the mid 90s, mm-hmm. but is really community owned and what they want to see. And they invite our students in to be part of that work. Mm-hmm. So that's one big program that uh, revolves around Im- Im- immigrants. Basically. Right. Yeah. Are there yeah. others in the community or is that the major thing? Uh, no. So another major focus for us is food justice as well. So about, um, I mean, our students have often uh, for a long time worked, say, with the food pantry. Um, the college has supported the soup kitchen in different ways. For example, I know a lot of faculty and staff will cook a meal when it's kind of the college's turn to provide those meals at the soup kitchen. Um, you know, so those kinds of things have been happening for a long time. But about 10 years ago, there was all these pockets of community energy talking about one local food. So there was there were folks getting together to talk about how do we grow the local economy by supporting local farmers um, and access to healthy food. The um, SCAP Circles of Support program, the the women at that time who were involved were identifying what it meant to live in the food gap, to be increasing their wages in significant ways, but at the same time losing benefits, which actually meant that as they lost SNAP 
or food stamp benefits that meant like losing $300 worth of spending power per month. So they were identifying that issue. At the same time, our students were starting the Campus Kitchen Project, which takes underutilized food, repurposes it, and sends it out into the community to provide meals. Um, and so through that energy, um, Megan Shreve at SCAP heard that Mark Winnie was coming through on a book tour. And so we invited him here to do a book talk. Um, and then he facilitated a four-hour workshop that afternoon, w out of which, which involves students, faculty, but more importantly involved farmers. It involved um, other local business people. It involved um, what some might call clients of some of the food programs, of the Circles of Support program, and involved nonprofit agencies. And out of that, we developed the Adams County Food Policy Council, which works to support the local economy, to um, increase access to healthy food, um, and to promote the conversation around food in the community. Um, and so again, over those last 10 years, we've seen those programs um, develop so that in addition to providing kind of like the basic need for food, we're also thinking about what do local solutions like to move the needle around food access. So for example, starting the Healthy Options Program in providing $40 a month of food vouchers for folks to spend at the farmer's market. That's all funded. Now what role uh, would the average student play? Would they be involved in uh well, what in, would in they all be of those things, in yeah. yeah. So, um, so they run the campus kitchen. Uh -huh. yeah, so we have three students who are employed to run the campus kitchen. So they recruit volunteers to collect the food donations. They're running shifts to cook meals um, and providing them for Meals on Wheels, for Meals and More, which meets uh, has students meet one-on-one -on -one with elderly folks living in the community. Um, or for the meals so that when folks gather for the circles of support discussions, they don't have to worry about cooking dinner for their kids ahead of time, that meals provided for them and their families. Um, for the healthy options, they might be the ones helping to distribute the vouchers, especially during the summer months, and they're running workshops at the farmer's market for, for like kids' day, for different events coming in, again, encouraging the use of healthy foods and finding for families to explore ways that they... They enjoy vegetables and fruits and things right. like that. Yeah. So those are those are a couple yeah. of examples. So <clears throat> you mentioned that a couple of your foci were on immigration and food, and mm -hmm. it sounds like these are them. Um, are there other things? I mean, I'm thinking of people who have other types of nonprofits or even businesses or something like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, are you open to proposals for for those kind of people to? Have we, students come, yeah, we can or is that be. kind of outside of the? Uh, we can be. Sometimes yeah. it takes a while uh -huh. to get there to be able to serve the need, um, but we can always talk to our faculty friends and that kind of thing. I just can't guarantee that right away we're going to have a match. Boom, done uh -huh. the next day. Uh -huh. I would say we're probably not as interested. Like as much as we want to help. We can't always provide all the volunteers needed for, say, like a Saturday event or a one-time right. event, that kind right. of thing. Um, again, because, yeah, we had to focus on the long-term change. Our mission calls us 
not to get as many students out there as possible doing whatever kind of volunteer work, but our mission calls us to create personal community and institutional change. So Mm -hmm. in what ways are we creating opportunities for our students to kind of really explore their place in the world to kind of create that personal change, right? Mm -hmm. In what ways are we lifting up as much as possible local solutions, working with partners around the community, Um, And in what way then are we also holding Gettysburg College accountable so that there's change internally as well, so that we're making decisions that uplift um, the community and the personal change that we call for? Right. Well, it's an amazing thing that you're doing. And I think that the community is benefiting from all the work of those uh, student supervisors and the students themselves. And we don't really often even know about it. So it's nice to have you uh, kind of remind us of all the things that are going on. Thanks. It takes a village. I mean, it's not possible. We have a great team within the Center for Public Service that includes five of us professionally now. Um, But with we work with so many in the community and without them and the good work that they do and their vision, our work would be meaningless. So mm-hmm. we're really dependent and grateful for them. Okay. Well, Gretchen, it's great talking to you and uh, thanks for being here and uh, good luck keeping the center going. All right. Thanks for the opportunity to tell the story.